chapter number three of Colossians. And what we're going to see in Colossians chapter three and chapter four is that Jesus really changes everything about our lives. In other words, we've been talking about that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But over the next couple chapters, um, we're going to start this new series called Jesus Changes Everything. And what we're going to see is Jesus changes how we handle our relationships. He changes how we, how we handle our anxiety. He changes how we handle parenting, marriage. He even changes how we handle our sex life. He changes everything. And as a start, getting into Colossians 3 and 4, he begins by kind of sharing the foundation for everything being changed. And the foundation, one, is, is the things that we think about. Do you ever think about what you think about? You ever think about what you think about? So the other day um, in, our, in our fitness growth group, I was working out. I don't know if you guys have ever done this while you're working out um, or while you're running or something. But I was, we were in our fitness growth group and we were, we were doing the workout. And I was thinking, why in the world am I doing this? This is hard. I'm tired. I've had a long day. Like, why am I working out right now? I could be at home, sitting on the couch, eating a bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Y'all ever thought that before? And then finally, after like replaying this thought again and again and again in my mind, we got to the end of the workout and I'm like, I just sabotaged my own workout because of what I was thinking. I mean, do you ever think about what you think about? It's important. The second thing Paul says in here is, he says that Jesus, uh, where do you find life? He says that Jesus is our life, as we are going to open up in Colossians 3, but he talks about the things you think about and the place you find life, because the place you find life, the place you find meaning and value and identity and, and, and self-worth, this is going to determine the life that you live. And he uses these two things in Colossians 3 as the springboard into how Jesus changes us. You might be here and you might not be a Christ follower, or you might just be um, kicking the idea around, or you might be a Christ follower and you haven't really fully followed Jesus. There's pockets where you haven't followed him. And you might think, man, why would I even want Jesus to change my life? Because I see people that are kind of serious about Jesus and they kind of weird. You ever met a weird Christian, right? If you're like, no, I've never met one. You just might be that one. Anyways, um, another conversation later. But this is why you want Jesus to change your life, because when you let Jesus change your life, your hope level increases. Your relationships get healthier. You thrive. It, your fear and anxiety go down. But most important, when Jesus changes your life, we get the opportunity to give Jesus all the glory, because it's not what we've done, but what he has done. So we're going to get in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at the things we think about and where we find our life. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1, this is what it says. He says, so if you have been raised with Christ, if you're a Christ follower, if this is your identity, if this is who you are, seek the things above. Can we say the, the line that's underlined there together? Ready? Seek the things above. You watch it online. Type it in the comments there. Seek the things above. Seek the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek 
eternal things. Now, this here is a, this is not a suggestion. You ever suggested something to somebody or, or somebody suggested something to you like, hey, it would be nice if you, um, my, uh, my wife has taught me to pick up on these suggestions. She calls them pitches because the sports analogy connects with me. She says, you should pick up on, on, on these pitches that I throw. And I'm like, okay, like, what, what do you mean catch these pitches that you throw? So I don't know about you fellas, but on special days, like, I have no idea what to get my wife. And I'm like, I'm like babe, what do, like, what do I get you? She's like, shopping for me is easy. How many dudes in the room know that shopping for your lady is not easy? Oh, my God. Yeah, it is not. It is not. It's not easy at all. And Gina will say, no, 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 no. Shopping for me is easy. You just got to pay attention. I'm like, I do pay attention. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, so what will happen is I'll say little things here and there. Like, I'll just drop a little, little pitch. I'll just make a little suggestion. She says, and if you will just make a mental note of these little pitches and you will actually catch them like you should. Shopping for me would be easy. Okay, unofficial poll. How many men in the room think it's really hard to shop for the ladies? Okay. How many ladies in the room think it's easy to shop for you? Okay, okay, all right. So we got a little disagreement here. It's okay. How many of you ladies know what my wife is talking about when it comes to throwing pitches and little suggestions? How many of you men have no idea about this? Okay, right. She throws little suggestions. Our wives give us suggestions, and half the time we strike out. This right here? Seek things above ain't a suggestion. It's a command. It's not a pitch that, like, Paul's kind of throwing out, hey, seek the things above if you want to. If you're a Christ follower, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things above where Jesus is at the right hand of God. In other words, look at life from God's perspective. Look at life from an eternal perspective. Perspective. In verse 2, he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, all of us, we all have our mind set on something all the time. We're always thinking about stuff. Like some of you right now are hungry, and your mind is set on food. You're like, Pastor, I hope this is a quick one, because I want to go to lunch and beat the lunch rush. We all have our minds set on something. Paul says, set your mind on things above. On eternal things. Why do we do that? Verse 3, because of who we are. He says, for you died. Remember in Galatians chapter 2 last week, we said when we decided to become a follower of Jesus, that we were crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Jesus lives in us. That Jesus lives through us. So our flesh, these old desires are dead and now Jesus can live through us. Why do we seek eternal things? Because we died. Because our old nature, our old sin, that's dead. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. In verse 4, he says, when Christ, who is your life? When Christ, who is your life? Life, the place we find meaning and worth and purpose and identity. When he appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, this is referring to other passages of Scripture like Revelation 19 and others where Jesus will come back to this earth and take his followers to heaven with him. 
Now, it's really interesting because there's, there's a parallel in verse 2 and verse 4. Because when you seek eternal things, this is what will happen, is that you will make Christ your life. When your mind is fixed on Christ, he will be our life. This is what I want us to do. I want us to look at this a little bit closer. Notice number one, and it's in your program if you're following along, want to take notes. Number one, the direction of your life, the way you live your life, the things you do, the places you go, often comes from the direction of your thoughts. So what I think about determines the place that I go. What we think about determines how we see things. And this is a, this is a pattern in scripture. And one thing you want to do is as you look at, as you read scripture, you want to look at patterns. Like what are patterns? You want to look at patterns of scripture. This is a principle that's repeated. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, Paul echoes this principle again. He says, don't be conformed to the age. In other words, don't live life like everybody in the world, but we got to be transformed. But how are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking, change your life. Why? So you can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So when our mindsets change, then our life changes, and we're able to do what God wants us to do. In recent years, there's, uh, there's been all these psychological studies, and they've developed something we call cognitive behavioral therapy. Who's ever heard of this? Cognitive behavioral therapy? Some of you, Keith is like, this is what I do every day for a living. <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy. And what scientists have discovered in recent years is that we have a lot of problems in our life from eating disorders to addictions and other things that are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. So we think a certain way, and it causes us to act on it. And now there's an entire field that Keith is in where they're trying to get to the root of some of these things. Why? Because if we get to the root, it changes the fruit. And here's what blows my mind. The thing that scientists have recently been discovering recently has been in Scripture for, for centuries. It's been, in, it's been in Scripture forever. So if modern science and scripture are telling us the same thing, here's a question you need to ask yourself. It forces us to ask ourselves, what direction are my thoughts taking me? What direction are my thoughts taking me? Do you guys remember, uh, you guys remember when the iPods first came out? You guys remember iPods? Remember those? Okay. I'm about to make you guys feel really old. You ready for this? iPods came out 20 years ago. The first iPod came out in October 2001. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I was like, oh, my goodness. I thought that came out like five years ago. No, no. 2001. So, so I was the kid that usually got things like a couple years after everybody else. I don't know if any of you guys were like me. So, you know, 2001, all my friends, they have their iPod. And you remember when the, it was like, it was like kind of big and real thick and stuff. My friends had the iPod and I was like, oh, that's super cool. Well, a few years later, this thing called, I think it was the iPod Nano. Is that what it was? Okay. So the Nano came out. 
And, uh, and then a little while, there was like a sale or something, and I got an iPod Nano. And it was more sleek. Like, it was skinnier. It was kind of taller. And uh, I got, I got, I remember this. I got a lime green iPod Nano. Nobody had a lime green iPod Nano but me. Okay, let me just tell you. So, so I got this lime green iPod Nano, and I thought I was just a man, okay? I was the, and when I got this iPod, I, I, I discovered something. I was a little slow learner, but I discovered something called playlists. So what you can do, we all know what playlists are now, but you have these like 10 different albums. I could pick the best songs from every album. I could put them on my playlist, and I could just play them all the time. I could like go to sleep playing them. I mean, this is cool. Like before, you guys remember we got these CD players, right? And it gets to the end and then it just kind of stops or whatever it did. I don't, but with this, with this iPod, it could just play and play and play and play all night long. I could wake up in the morning and the playlist is going. If the battery didn't die, the playlist is going and I'm listening to this again and again and again. And then before you know it, I don't even have to listen to it because I'm just singing the song. Right? How many of you guys have like songs you just randomly sing and you're like, where did this come from? Maybe this song came out in like the 70s or something and you're like, why am I thinking this while I'm standing at the grocery store? Or you, or you just randomly start singing it out loud and somebody looks at you like, what? Well, it, 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 it's a song that's repeated over and over and over in your mind and it just comes out. And you know what Paul is forcing you and forcing me to do is to confront the playlist of our thoughts in our mind. Is to confront our thoughts. Because you cannot change what you do not confront. To ask yourself, am I setting my mind on eternal things? Because when you start seeing things from God's perspective, it causes you to live differently. An eternal mindset leads to earthly actions. It leads us to change the way we live. Because when we set our minds on eternal things, things that used to not make sense now make sense. When we set our minds on eternal things, sharing our, when we set our minds on eternal things, it doesn't make sense not to share our faith. But when our minds are set on earthly things, it's like, why would I like actually share my faith with somebody? That doesn't make sense. Like, why would I do that? Why? I don't want to be pushy on anybody. When, when we set our minds on eternal things, it makes sense to pray and to spend time in scripture. When our minds are set on earthly things, that doesn't make any sense. Why would we do that? When we set our minds on eternal things, it makes sense to be committed to a local church and be faithful. When we set our minds on earthly things, why would I give up a Sunday morning? Crazy. When we set our minds on eternal things, serving makes sense. Serving others. When we set our minds on earthly things, why would I want to serve other people? My, I don't want to do that. And what happens, and what happens is our minds are so set on earthly things instead of eternal things that we have a hard time committing to spiritual things. And what happens is we get so engulfed in the physical, we don't, we forget about the eternal. In Hebrews, this is why it says, looking, keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, the pioneer and perfecter 
of our faith. Keeping, keeping our eyes on him and what he did. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the way you're going to make a difference in our world for Christ is by setting your mind on eternal things. Now, real quick, when you have an eternal mindset, a couple things happen. The first thing that happens when you have an eternal mindset is your faith will go from the peripheral to the priority. Is faith will go from the peripheral to the priority. In, in your life, you, in your life, things that, that maybe won't make sense, you'll start doing because of faith. Your life's priorities will start to shift. And then what will happen is you'll start to live your life by conviction instead of convenience. You look at what the scripture says, and because of what the scripture says, you start setting things up in your life. Biblical convictions are predetermined choices based on the Bible. Biblical convictions are predetermined decisions based on the Bible. So what you'll do, when, when you set your mind on eternal things, you'll look at the scripture and you'll say, if the scripture says this, then I'm going to decide to live this way. When I was a, when I was a teenager, um, and I started setting my mind on eternal things, and I mess up all the time, but I started developing some convictions in my life. One conviction that, uh, that I started to develop, and, and this might sound crazy to some of y'all, but I decided I wasn't going to date somebody that wasn't a follower of Jesus. You guys are like, really? You crazy? Well, this, this is why. Because every date is a potential mate. And if I'm going to date somebody, be in a relationship with somebody, and they're a potential mate, then how am I going to live for Jesus if they're just living life differently if we're not on the same page? Like I started developing convictions in my life. And really what convictions are is, uh, is uh, let me illustrate it this way. Any of you guys ever been uh, rock climbing before? Rock climbing? Okay. <laughs> He's never been rock climbing before. So I've only done the indoor rock climbing thing, like the 30-foot walls. You guys ever done the indoor rock climbing thing? Some of you? Okay. Do they still have that thing at the Croc Center, like the indoor? Okay, they still have it. So I remember when the Croc Center first opened, I did that. Um, and, you know, you, you, you go to do it, and I was all excited about it. And they, they put the harness on you. I almost brought a harness in here. I probably should have brought a harness in here. So they put this harness on you, and they have a rope and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and they put it, like, really tight. It's like, oh, I can't even hardly breathe. And uh, they, put this har- they put this harness on you. And the reason why they put this harness and strap you into this thing is because if you fall, you're not going to fall to the ground and hurt yourself really bad and or kill yourself. Like, this harness is going to protect you in case you kind of slip a little bit. Or in case maybe you're trying to reach for this thing and you're holding on and your grip falls and you fall off. You won't go all the way to the ground and you're dead or something. No, what will happen? It'll catch you. That's what convictions do. Convictions are things that we have in our life that help us to do right when we don't feel like doing right. That help us to do what we should do when maybe we don't feel like doing what we should do. Convictions help us do the right thing even when the right thing is the hard thing. And in our lives, when we look at scripture and we say, this is what it says, this is how I'm going to live, what that does is that is the hardness that protects us from completely falling away from Jesus. And can I say, 
as men in our home, we have to be people that are setting up and taking the lead in putting convictions in our life and in our family and living by those convictions. I think too often as fellows, we can be more intentional with our hobbies, i.e. sports, right? Giants fan all the way, best record in baseball. Okay, I digress. We can be so intentional. We can be intentional in our hobbies and passive with our faith. And what can happen as, as men in, in, in our families is that we can be passive when it comes to these important things when really we should be the leaders setting convictions and living by them. When we see life through the lens of eternity, we will develop convictions in our life. So number one, number one, seeing life through the lens of eternity. Number two, seeing number two is Christ is our life. That Christ is our life. It says in verse number four. If our lives are going to be changed by Jesus, he has to be the center of our life. He has to be the place we find meaning and purpose and identity. In Ezekiel 14, God told the nation of Israel that they had other things in their life that became their life. He said, these men, like these people, they set up idols in their hearts and have put their sinful stumbling blocks in front of themselves. Now, a lot of times when I think of idols, or maybe you think of idols, you think of something that you might see on TV in like China or India or something where, um, or on social media where people actually bow down to idols. But in this passage, what he was saying is this wasn't an actual idol that they got down on their knees and worshiped. It was something that was in their hearts. Something that they had put above God that became a sinful stumbling block. And what God was saying here is that these people had something in their heart that replaced God. So often in our lives, what we can do is we can take good things and turn them into ultimate things. We can look to things like our career, our relationships, our possessions, our hobbies, even our family, our looks, and we can turn them into ultimate things. And we can, and these things can be at the center of our lives. And we think that they can give us significance and security and safety and fulfillment. They become the places we look to for life. They become the places we look to for meaning and self-validation. And this is what Paul writes in Colossians 3. He says, Christ is those things. Christ wants to be those things in your life. If you will make him the center, if you will find your meaning and purpose from him, and when he is the place we find meaning and purpose from that, comes seeing life and doing life the way God wants us to do. So I want to ask you guys a few questions that kind of determines where do you find life? Now, you just got to be careful because these questions are a little bit uncomfortable. So I'm just warning you. But I want to give you some questions that you can ask yourself that will determine is Christ truly the place you find life? Because in here, if I was like, how many of you guys find uh, your life in Christ? Everybody's like, yeah, I do, Pastor Nate. But really, what does your mind effortlessly go to when we have nothing else to think about? What you just think about? What do you turn to? When things get difficult, what's that thing that instinctively you, you just got to go to? 
What is it that motivates you and drives you? If I can just have this, if I can just do this, if people will just think this about me, if I could just get to this level, if, what is it that motivates you and drives you? If I can have that person's respect, and what do you really rely on? What do you really trust? And what these questions will do is they will diagnose Where do you find life? Because if these questions produce something, like in many of our lives, that it may not be God, it may be an idol. And an idol is something that is more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you, you might be like, oh, man, this is just church talk, talking about idolatry. Now, like here, like real talk, y'all, your idols will let you down. Like make you name it your idol, something other than God, it's going to let you down. It, it can't give you what you think it can give you. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, as Christ's followers, our life should be found in Christ, not these lesser things. So as we close, I want to invite you to do two things this morning. The first thing is this. Identify the place you look to for life. Some of you already did when we asked those questions. And you know. And those questions are a little bit uncomfortable. You're like, ugh. Maybe you're you're like trying to get your mind off of it because you're like, man, those questions are pretty convicting. And second of all, I want to invite you to develop some personal and family convictions that would allow you to set your mind on eternal things. To say, okay, all right, Nate, I'm going to set my mind on eternal things and I'm going to set these convictions in place that are going to help me. They're going to help my family. They're going to help us. They're going to help me as a single young adult. They're going to help me as a teenager. I started developing these as a teenager that are going to help me keep Christ first in my life. Now, number two, this is going to actually, uh, can, we go, can we go back real quick? Number two, this is going to require a little bit of homework. This is going to, you're going to have, a, have to have a, a conversation with yourself. <laughs> you might have to have a conversation with your family, with your spouse, with a friend. And say, I'm going to develop some personal family convictions. Why? Next slide, verse number two of Colossians 3. So we can set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Let's pray together.